if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we'll talk about post-marketing surveillance. So within the EUMDR, we have uh, a, not a new thing. It's something that were, were, was already existing, which is post-marketing surveillance. But there are a bit more requirements for it. And we'll talk specifically about proactive and reactive actions that should be done for the uh, post-marketing surveillance uh, collection of, of information. Uh, so mainly... Um, and for that, we have uh, with us, so Marcus Enner, the founder and CEO of Udin. So Marcus, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, it's really an honor and it's going to be great fun to um, to join you. Uh, it's my first time and I think it's also it's a, it's a very interesting topic. So uh, no, I think it's this- great. Yeah. And, we, and we discussed about that a bit uh, also, and uh, it's why it was really interesting uh, to to maybe share what you are doing also at Udin. Uh, but uh, before that, yeah, can you make an introduction of yourself and maybe Udin also? Absolutely. I think, of course, a lot of viewers and listeners don't know me and probably don't know Udin either, um, since we're a rather new star on the life science uh, sky. And short about me, I'm... Uh, I have a long history and background from management consulting in in high tech and life science. Um, And ever since I started and so long time ago, um, I've I've been dealing with the fact that it's very cumbersome to to monitor and retrieve needed information for decision making and also the process around that, no matter if it's strategy, sales, marketing and so on. But over the last couple of years, I ended up focusing more on the regulatory part, quality and regulatory um, and compliance part, uh, not only me, the entire company, of course, but it actually evolved from from me um, having an event in my family where my oldest daughter had a knee injury and um, and it was 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and both the titanium screws were contaminated and ended up with uh, eight surgeries and uh, a quite uh, tough period for, especially for for Eba, my daughter, and uh, you know, I I, I felt that what well, I I really want to make sure that no other kid nor family should experience a situation like this. Is there anything I can do? And I realized that it was it was hard to uh, to report this or know even who to talk to, and and you know, how, how can we file this somehow? Um, and at the same time, I met with Annette Kurgren, um, who has been uh, partly a co-owner of MDR, if I'm not mistaken. Um, she's extremely experienced and skilled, and she 
inform me more in depth regarding the upcoming changes of MDR. Uh, and since that day, we, we started to focus entirely on, on life science more. Well, we started to focus more and more on life science and medical devices. Um, and, and the last uh, one and a half years or two years, we've been entirely focusing on, on life science and, and more and more over to regulatory intelligence. So that's my short background. And, and Hooden is a company. We're a SaaS um, company with an intelligence platform for compliance, if you like. Uh, you can do a little bit more than so, but mainly it's used for regulatory intelligence and, and the vigilance part of compliance, uh, of, of uh, yeah, the vigilance part, um, and, so, and also so, technology. So, so I, I, had, uh, I had the chance with you also to have a small demo of it, and yeah, we, you are really able to capture uh, information that, uh, that can be um, interesting for the regulators, for people that are creating so, some reports or to just gather information about a certain product technology, et cetera. So then to gather those information and then uh, capitalize that to create a, a kind of a report. Um, mm -hmm. And post-marketing surveillance is mainly one of the topic that uh, is can be uh, interested to be, if I can say, used with your tool. But before to talk about that, and we'll not really go through the tool exactly, but we we just go through uh, this, the this topic. This is not a sales meeting. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> just wanted to, to clarify that because uh, just for people to not think that, yeah, we'll, we'll explain you how the tool works, etc. No, the idea is here to explain exactly what is post-marketing surveillance, mm -hmm. why it's important to have that, and mainly also what kind of um, solutions are existing to, to do that. Uh, but yeah. For maybe people that are starting to say, oh, I have maybe been asked by some bosses or for some re some managers to create a post-marketing surveillance. Uh, if we had to explain to those people that have no clue what, what we are talking about. So what is a post-marketing surveillance and, and maybe also what are the, 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 the things that are really important to understand about post-marketing surveillance? How much time do we have? Yeah, a few <laughs> minutes. Okay, well... <clears throat> then we'll go for the short version. Sorry about my headphones popping out. Um, well, post-market surveillance, simply put, is it's um, it's a part of, of MDR in kind of the regulatory aspect, but you can think of it as whenever your product has entered the market, you need to, to stay compliant. This is a simplified explanation, right? You would need to bring in evidence of the fact that your products risk level or or uh, uh how it may uh, you know uh, increase uh, or decrease patient safety uh, quality and so forth does not change over time and you need to um, explain how you secure this that you receive complaints and that you act according to complaints or maintenance that have been formed or literature review uh, uh, post-clinical trials or, or external trials and so on. So you need to, to gather a lot of information to make sure that there is no delta really, or if there is a delta regarding the safety of your product, you need to report it and then also stable kind of action. In it. So it's a pure, um, um, it's a pure patient safety or, or, or risk prevention activity really with a, a product that is on your market and to maintain your CE marking. 
Exactly. Yeah. So CE marking is, uh, I mean, post-marketing surveillance is important for CE marking. It's also this thing. We had another episode on post-marketing surveillance also before with, for the US market. Here mm-hmm. we are really trying to focus more on the EU market. Um, yeah. so, um, mainly it's everything, uh, any monitoring that happens after you start to sell your device for the first time. So anything that is happening, then you have mainly to gather those information and provide them a, a reporting about that. Um, in terms of um, UMDR, which is the new legislation, um, so it's not new. It's not something that is new because of UMDR. It was already existing before. So yep. can we have maybe a, a, a just, uh, if you can help on, on understanding what has changed when UMDR came, if there is anything that is completely uh, new that was created or if there is a new requirement, what exactly, uh, is it more difficult to make it now than before or this kind of yeah. thing? I think, uh, you know, the the most important thing, MDR compared to MDD, um, there's a co- there's a lot of changes and, and some are more important to others depending on what kind of, of device type you have and how mature you are and experienced you are. So it's really hard to generalize. But I think, you know, if you if you really analyze some of the differences that I find interesting uh, would be that words such as proactive and and systematic is is mentioned more often in in MDR compared to MDD. Uh, but I think the the most important aspect of the thing is that there is always a layer of complexity evolving when when the regulation is new. It's not really the delta. It's yeah. the fact that it is new or the combination of of the delta. Because and, and, uh, and, and I, I completely relate to that because uh, we had also the same story. I think we discussed about that also on the podcast with the clinical evaluation. Uh, yeah. It was more like uh, uh, what, why everybody is now talking about clinical evaluation? Is there any chance to the regulation, etc.? At the end, the chance is really minimal. But yeah. uh, they, they put a uh, highlight, if I can say, on this on this topic and everything. And now every everybody is focusing on that. So I think for post marketing surveillance, it's, it can be also the same. There are some changes, but it's not like a huge huge change. And uh, people are, are, I mean, should yeah. still be able to do it. It's just that they have to follow some few new rules, so to to apply that. Yeah, and I think you know any regulation, no matter if it's medical devices or automotive or any industry. Um, the the nature of a regulation is that it states what to be done, not how it should be done. And best practices evolve over time. Um, and 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 you know I, the reason why it's written like that is because there are innovations and and the the world is changing. So if if the legal health authorities would was, would dictate how things should be done you would you would make the entire industry stall so there's a good reason and 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 uh, a clever reason why to to formulate the regulation that the how question is never really answered that is up to the market and i I Um, can i can maybe relate to that because um we have i have the experience of both pharmaceutical and medical Mm -hmm. device in the pharma industry they are telling exactly how to do that they are giving some guidelines of do this like that because the pharmaceutical if i can say formulas or solutions are nearly the same it's something that you ingest or you inject or whatever uh here for medical devices you can talk about wheelchair about pacemaker mri implants uh some dialysis so 
it's so yeah. big the scope yeah. that if you start to say how to do it it can be maybe a bit difficult because there is always an exception there is always something that is a bit different so it's better yeah. to say where to go or where <clears throat> what we want you to achieve and then you define if there are some standards existing or not you define how to go there but yeah i, I mean i see a lot of people that are, get confused when when we say you have to make a post-marketing surveillance and the question next question is how we do that is it I don't know, find, find your way, if I can say. I mean, there are some guidance, et cetera, but it's more like it depends on your products. It depends on what exactly you are trying to put on the market. Yeah. And in the best practices evolve over time. And that is probably why post-market surveillance may occur more complex um, at the early stage of, of uh, reaching compliance in regard to the new regulation. So, and that's the funny thing with regulations as well. It's often formulated such as you should do it that's your best effort exactly and, then and if you start to think if you start to think of you know what is best effort really is is it just how great i am today is that exactly. the best effort no it is what how great i can be tomorrow and how others will think of me doing the best effort and so i need to research constantly what is the best practice uh, and, and also scout for new tools, new processes, new methods, um, and, and keep myself and our team and our company evolving in the matters to, to stay compliant. Because if you get an audit from a notified body and you mention that, yeah, we do this best effort and we do it to like this and this and this, and they have experiences from companies that do it 100 times smarter and better, you'll have a problem. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, the standard is defined by, if I can say, experience also from uh, auditors. Some auditors have experience on certain field and they know exactly what is the standard for this field and how people should do that. If I remember, we talked with uh, Martin Vite from Chufsud and we talked about cardiological uh, products and we have some standards, but we have also the state of the art or knowledge about how things should be normally done. Uh, so yeah, even sometimes the standard is below what normally should be done. So it's uh, something that, uh, that uh, yeah, that they have to look at. Look at. So yeah. um, in terms of post-marketing surveillance, so we have the activity to be done like uh, in the EUMDR, we say that we have to do a post-marketing surveillance plan and we have to do a post-marketing surveillance report uh, and we call it all uh, PSUR, so a periodic safety update report for, for the post-marketing surveillance uh, report that is for class 2A, 2B, and 3. Um, so in terms of that, um, on the plan, man needs to plan how you will execute your post-marketing surveillance. So it's to say, I will do it on that way, with this methodology, with this, uh, et cetera, these things. Uh, and as you've said also, I said it's something that was already done before, but now the change is also on the world that is like proactive, and then the contrary, which is maybe more reactive. So um, can we maybe more clarify what, what's this and how this changed completely the way to do the post-marketing surveillance now? Absolutely. And this, I think, is a, a, a piece, uh, uh, you know, where people struggle a lot. Um, and I, first of all, just to make it clear, it's not about being proactive or reactive. Yeah. That is somewhat of a misunderstanding at some point of time uh, or uh, some people and companies. Um, any medical device company has to deal with both of the, these uh, contexts or, or methods. Um, and, and, you know, proactive, that means slightly different things um, depending on the context. 
where the word is, is mentioned in MDR, is mentioned four times um, uh, in, in the relation to post-market surveillance. It might be mentioned more often in other parts of MDR. Um, and in, in, in that, in, in some of the aspects, it means that you should be proactive to prevent risks or of event before they occur, really. Um, that's a typical way of interpreting proactivity. Then in some other aspects, I think you should think of it as establishing a systematic approach towards retrieving information intelligence in order to, uh, to gain insight and data in, into the real-world performance of a device. So it could be it could mean slightly different things, um, depending on on the context, and that is what I think it's important that you you're aware of. Then the reactive part that's a a, a complement really. You have to do both, um, and and reactive post market surveillance that's equally important really, and in many ways, I think it's more challenging. Uh, in many ways, due to the amount of time and resources needed to carry this part out. And you know, again, it depends on what type of device you have. Um, and of course, also the better you become with the proactive post-marketing um, surveillance work, some of the reacting part will diminish over time, right? Because they will never occur. Um, um, and yet there are areas that no company really can, uh, can reach via proactivity no matter how hard I try. So for the reactive part, which often is mentioned as vigilance, um, you need to deal with the, the complaints that comes in. That will be one part that will diminish over time if you work more with the proactive part. Exactly. Uh, the unsolicited reporting, it's a big chunk. This is, you know, untapped areas for many um, because it includes social media. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of company, either they, you know, hide from the fact or just are reluctant to understand, but it is included. And hey, wake up, you start need to start looking. And it's a gold mine of good information. So don't be afraid to start utilizing those channels. Yeah, and uh, I, know, I know that people are more hiding and said, I don't want to look at that part or whatever, but uh, yeah. Uh, normally, if there is, for example, uh, I, I give always the example on my courses, like if there is a, a Facebook group, for example, or something that is talking about my device is, uh, this device is the baddest device ever, if I can say, or whatever. The idea is to try to go to this group and to see what's the problem and what's the issue and see if there is some relevant information also. Um, um, yeah. I think that there are a lot of things where, yeah, on the internet, it's not like you have to to trust everything that is said, but it's more about trying to collect information and to investigate and verify and, and check and show that you are doing that also. And having that on your procedure is also something that is uh, is important to to show to the auditors that yes, you are also covering this part. Yeah, and I I think you know there's <clears throat> when thinking of post market surveillance, majority of ever people I talk to think about it as a part of MDR and that you need to do it to stay compliant. But if you think twice, it's really a goldmine for business. Yeah. So if you regulatory affairs person hearing this, seeing this, start to think of yourself and what you do as a business intelligence provider, really, because think about it. If you would start to listen on social media and discussion forums of patients groups that uses your device or competition devices, and you could retrieve that information, compile it and report it back to whomever 
has interest in that information, not only the notified body, but also, you know, C-level, they would start to pay attention more to what you say, not only that part, but also the regulatory part and all the other parts that you often say, management don't listen, management exactly. don't care. Yeah. So there's a, there's a dual effects of, of dealing with that. And I hope if we just stay at social media and discussion forums for a while, I think a good approach is to start just listening. Exactly. Yeah. But then as you feel confident, I strongly recommend any medical device company to take part of in the dialogue. Yeah, to have some kind of moderator that goes and uh, checks yeah. and verify and maybe ask, uh, I'm here to support, etc. So uh, we have that on sometime on the forums to have some people that are say, ah, openly saying I'm from the company, um, let me know and I can help you. Uh, let's have a discussion and, and see exactly what's your problem and then we can try to solve it, etc. Just because they, 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 they don't want to hear that bad things about their company, but also that we want to help, help mainly uh, the customers to have a, a great experience also. So uh, exactly. It's also showing some some good services. Also, by if if we see that those people are also listening to those forums, it's also showing that yeah they are caring and they are wanting to support and to help, which is also a, a great thing. Yep. And you will scare away the trolls. Yeah. True. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because when you ask, oh, you you had a bad experience, can you show, can you maybe talk uh, talk with me and then provide me your serial number for your products and then we can look at that and I can register your complaint and uh, verify and have somebody calling you or verify. Then maybe yeah, they are more scared and maybe they will disappear and, and not talk to you at all uh, from that. Exactly. But it's so good it's that message. you are recording that also. Hey, just a second. Do you need a EU, Swiss or UK representative? Then choose Easy Medical Device. We can represent you and also become your importer. Contact us at eo at easymedicaldevice.com. Yeah, so message to the uh, to the regulatory uh, friends of ours that listens to this again. Now you should also make sure that you receive some of the sales bonuses if you start to engage in the dialogue. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I had also the example of um, uh, of some people that uh, are traveling uh, and they have openly a bag with the name of their company and uh, some people are coming to them. Oh, you are from this company. You know, I have I have uh, I have this implant also on my on my body, and I have I'm hearing a zing 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 or whatever some kind yeah. of noise. <laughs> what should I do? I mean, they are starting to do that, and the guy said, "I'm not really on this department." But the point is also that normally the the rule for the company is that each time there is this kind of request, unsolicited request, also that they have to record that or to send that to the to the right yes. department also. So. The, the, we have the logistical way, the logistic, uh, yeah, logic way, if I can say to say, uh, there is a complaint number, call it, but at a certain point, you have also to get information from all the different sources because you are never sure that they will call this number. So if you get an information, you have also to gather that. So you see, there is multiple ways to, to get those unsolicited feedback then. It is, it is. But the majority of it would obviously you know be some kind of digital exactly uh, and and making sure that you're listening and retrieving information from social media forums is definitely important and the last part of uh, where we were at the reactive part of post-market surveillance besides and this is a huge area and i highly recommend all of you uh to start investigating this now yeah um, then of course you have the registries and the adverse adverse event reporting uh, very time consuming um, but also very important you have the literature reviews and, and potential external trials all of those 
are grouped under reactive post-market surveillance. Um, and um, and the, the uh, yeah, uh, vigilance part. Exactly. Yeah. What, what about proactive? So do you have some examples of proactive that uh, maybe we can give an ID to, to those people that are trying to do those post-marketing surveillance? Because on the UMDR, um, when you are doing your post-marketing surveillance plan, you have to define what is your strategy for also for proactive uh, requests. So um, when I try to explain to the people what is proactive, I, I say to them like, it's like you are waking up and uh, or standing up and going outside your company and trying to check what gathering, try to gather information, but initiating the action. So meaning that it's not you are like reactive, just waiting at your desk or chair and waiting that, as you said, that complaints come and unsolicited feedback come, whatever. No, it's a, you are proactively going to the market and trying to get those information. So do we have some examples of proactive actions that maybe people can can follow? Yeah, and again, we need to to split the word proactive into different contexts. The, the one you just, just described is, is really an old-fashioned do-reflect-apply process where you try to improve yourself, but it's still reactive. The event occurred already. Yeah. You The proactive part systematically would be to start to analyze and, and perform like a feasibility study of your own processes and interfaces where an event may occur and try to understand where in the processes before could we put in an action to prevent this from ever happening. So it's a, you know, it's a foresighting future, future telling um, uh, exercise really. And then we have the other part of the proactive that you just mentioned. And I think that this is where most people miss out. Um, uh, that that it's, it's missed out of the context where it belongs and that also that it is very abstract uh, when explained. Um, and I think the, the, a good way forward is that you should try to simplify it and take, think of those operational examples um, because you, you can't never become 100% proactive in all aspects uh, of quality yeah. uh, and hence deliver patient safety overnight. You could have that as a goal, but thinking that, okay, so to reach compliance, we have tomorrow be proactive in all aspects. No, that's impossible. Uh, you would need a crystal ball, right, to see the future. So proactivity in general should be uh, related to processes and, and the systematic approach, starting with the feasibility of operations and, and the informations that you have. Yeah, and as you said, more pro more proactive you are, less reactive actions will have to be done because normally you are trying to, uh, to you can, if I can say, find the issues or find the problems before they are happening. So then you are avoiding those complaints or issues on, on the market. So it's, it's just to see that this is also an investment for your company uh, so that uh, it's, yes. uh, it's providing you some yeah, benefit, but not, as you said, overnight benefit. So it's, it will take a bit of time, but at the end, normally you will see some kind of balance here in terms of the, the outcomes for, for each of, of Yeah, of and it's an ever-rolling wheel, really, um, that... That and and think of this do reflect apply. Do you have a system that supports you in this? You might escalate things to your quality uh, system, a quality management system, and so on. But 
if we take that aside, it's really that if something, if you find something, a reactive post-market surveillance finding, no matter if it's literature or unsolicited, you need to bring that in, consider, okay, how can we feed the proactive part of this to prevent this from happening again? Was it maybe some part of the instruction of the device that made this happen or, or was it the component or was it, what was it? Root cause analysis. And then you put that in the proactive box um, and, and start to, f- to find where in the process do we need to improve. Exactly. A simplified way of thinking of it. Yeah. Um, at, at the, so at this time, we are talking a lot about um, the, uh, the, the UMDR with all those new requirements. So uh, we are talking about uh, those notified bodies that uh, have not a lot of capacity. We are talking about all the reports, all the investment that we have to do on the post-marketing surveillance. Um, and when we are looking now on the other side about the, the tools that are available to help us for these kind of things, uh, we are seeing... Uh, that there are some digital tools like within like uh, that you are you, where you are trying to help, but we are also seeing like some new tools that are arriving like uh, artificial intelligence tool like ChatGPT for example uh, mm-hmm. that is uh, arriving and you are asking the question and it provides the answer. I mean you can ask the question to ChatGPT about uh, um, about uh, PMS in general, but you cannot ask them specifically about a specific product or whatever because they are just trying to read some information. I mean, I never tried. I should maybe have tried that uh, with ChatGPT just to ask uh, about if you can make a, a full uh, post-marketing surveillance uh, report for a certain type of products, etc. But I, I will try that. But AI, artificial intelligence... I wouldn't, rec- I wouldn't recommend to go that direction, though. No, no. But you, you can go ahead and try. I, I can try. I, I mean, I, I'm always trying those kind of things, but I, I'm seeing that it's not working very, very well. So it's mainly the, the thing. But the technology is there, but it has still to be to be improved. But how, how I, can I would we... Differ, I would differ on that opinion. I'm sorry. Tell uh, me. You know, when it comes to artificial intelligence, AI is like a dog. Yeah. So if you don't know the commands to show and tell the dog to go and bring that, you know, stick back or or paper that you wanted to pick up, if you don't know the exact commands, you will fail. And that's the art with artificial intelligence that only the ones that knows the commands will master the tool. Um, And that's, that's where we are young all of us, more or less, we don't really know how to phrase these questions in the correct manner. And we ask too much. Uh, at the same time, maybe you need to, to split it up and think of, okay, so I need this very niche part. I need you to help me with this and then this. Now we we go like, fix everything, please. Exactly. And we get shit back. Oh, sorry. For- <laughs> no, no, but it's, it's, it's exactly that. And I said, so uh, trying to, if I can say, use those artificial intelligence tools um, should be important for the new generation or the, the people that are, are now working with it. Uh, but yeah, learning how to use it is also something uh, important. As you've said, uh, at the beginning when I was using ChatGPT, for example, I was asking the big question and 
try to answer rest of the answer and it was not good. But now, as you've said, we learn to ask him the first question, then he understand the context, then asking the second question, asking, you have, it's like a conversation, but more detail you provide, more he analyze and more he can provide you uh, the right feedback or feedback. Even sometimes he makes some mistakes. I would tell him it makes some mistakes and then he, oh, oh sorry, oh, yeah, you are right. And here is the right answer, et cetera. So it's, it's funny how, how these interactions are happening. But mm. how do you think this can help the, regulatory quality people? Is it something that will be revolutionary for our industry also in terms of quality and regulatory affairs or it's, it's just a yes. gadget for the moment? Completely. It will change everything. Over the next five to 10 years, it will look completely different in the way we work today within regulatory and quality. And I think it's a, it's a strict wake up call now really to start to educate yourselves and start to um, bring your own visions really to think how uh, AI can help because it will change everything. Just think of it, and it's in many ways. It's just not AI will change uh, uh, everything the same way. It's again, small components here and there that either will disappear completely because of the the, uh, the robots would do it much better than, than any human can do and, and no, CFO would, you know, in five years from now, uh, allow to put human resources into certain types of jobs. They will be, they, the CFO will be definitely be very aware of where you can use AI and where you cannot. Um, especially since AI is coming through the world in turn, in times of recessions and downtime, uh, or sorry, of, um, you know, not so good economic situations in the world. So, and that's a coincidence, right? But my foretelling is that the CEFOs will be part of, of those that will actually make this happen even faster. Um, so I think in many ways, uh, regulatory affairs and quality assurance, it's, that's two information and communication heavy areas. And um, when anything is information heavy, AI, automations and machine learning comes into play really. So these three components, and they are different. AI, the, the only way we know AI today would be ChatGPT and OpenAI that really works. Um, it, it works as a human brain really, but it does not have any emotions. Automations, that's when we have repetitive things that we do often, and we would like to have triggers to happen if A happens, and it's if programming really. Um, and then we have the machine learning where we teach the machine to do this in a certain way. So there are relations between automations and machine learning. Uh, and, and to be frank, I, I would be, uh, I'd like to be a little bit tough and say that if you don't start to investigate and try out these tools, and what it can uh, enable for you, AI, automations, and machine learning, you will stall. Your team will stall, and your company will stall. And you need to do it now, today. So is it like the, the numerical revolution, for example, for uh, photograph, uh, for, so, so cameras like uh, before it was with all those, um, yeah, um, those digit, uh, your analogical uh, tools, and now it becomes numerical, and uh, some, some companies died or like uh, mobile phones that were all with uh, those touch 
buttons and now it's all screen uh digital uh, touching screen and uh yeah some companies it's, also it's much up. larger it's okay. much much larger it's like the industrialization so the industrialization took place at the um it 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 happened over 50 or 60 years the industrialization and it changed us from being farmers to move into the cities and and replace a lot of manual process oriented work with machines that supported us but still and everyone thought okay no one's going to have a job no it turned out to be the other way around we had a shortage of of manpower because we needed people to serve the machines to to work with the machines and a lot of surrounding services that never existed before started to pop up and and the thing most likely i don't know i'm not the future tell um but most likely the same thing will happen with the entrance of ai that will take over a lot of work that we do today but there will be new ones evolving and and new ways of, of solving things. And those are the areas that we need to start to get our arms around. Um, the, the difference here is that it will happen so much faster. We're talking a time frame of five to 10 years, maybe even shorter starting today. So that's, that's the reason why I'm a little bit, you know, I really want this to be wake up call. If you don't yeah. really know what AI is and what you can use it for, and you tried it out and you listen in on some experts webinars, maybe book a meeting with me, um, then then you're starting to get late really. And so here, for example, as we talk about post-marketing surveillance, so the idea is mainly that uh, if we have an AI tool that can do that, so mainly we give him information that we have about our products and is if I can say gathering all the information that are possible so that we can build the full post-marketing surveillance and uh, easily, because actually the issue is that gathering the information, doing the analysis, formatting that, etc. this is really taking a lot of time also for those people, uh, finding the right databases, the right website, the right, uh, etc. Mm -hmm. Even as, yeah. as we talk about social media, so finding maybe some uh, things on social media. So yep. we think that in future, just by making a, as a, talking the right language with the right wording, et cetera, making the right request uh, to an AI tool can help to provide in one hour something that maybe before we needed one week to get. Yes. And the future is already here. It's a little bit uneven distributed. That's the, that's the thing with future and, and innovation. Yes. And it's possible today. Okay. And um, so, um, in terms of uh, those activities for AI, um, so are you also, I mean, Houdin is also, as I said, we said a solution that is providing uh, some help for uh, Q&A. Are you also moving to that uh, area for uh, for your tool? To AI? Yeah. Yes. Okay. We've been working and researching AI, for me personally, and, and the R&D team for six years starting off with IBM Watson okay to to uh, analyze this and yeah, I didn't know that to analyze the yeah. semantics with Watson at that point of time he wasn't much smarter than my cat yeah really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, so and but we didn't gave up because we we saw the the future you know if whatever exists in sci-fi movies like hal uh, you've seen the uh, 2001 and yeah, yeah, uh, the HAL computer, 
or mixing am i mixing up movies no 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 it's that i think hal or something like that yeah, yeah. hal 2000 i think yeah exactly yeah um you know everything that exists in those sci-fi movies they tend to happen in reality um so sci-fi authors are very good at predicting the future um in in some cases um so so and and that's probably why we knew that this and we also saw that it became better and better so at some point in time it will it will really be helpful um so we've been investigating this and, and playing out with it and and trying to learn how to train an ai and so on and who should we collaborate and who who should we not collaborate with for our purposes i mean there ai is not one thing it's like saying that a car is a car it's, yeah it's not you have a formula one car and you have a and so on um but the intention of of of, uh, of the technologies is the same. So um, the the speed of the quality of AI really changed last year, uh, and and we are now ready to uh, to really implement AI to much higher extent in the Hooden platform. Great. Uh, so it will happen any day soon great so if people want to hear more about udin then um uh, i think they they really have to to visit your website and and, and check with, with you and maybe as you said book a call maybe to talk about ai and then yeah. it could be a it could be a really great so uh where people can follow up with you i think i suppose linkedin is uh, the good place maybe yeah i i mean i um just to sell in why you should talk to me hooden is um Hooden as a platform, if we mentioned that first, is takes care of automation and machine learning, really, for regulatory purposes and compliance intelligence, just as I said in the beginning. And the AI part is, is somewhat there already, but it will be much more in the near future. And you know, you, you can talk to me either because you're interested in that area or the platform per se. Um, the other reason why why one should talk to me is that over the years I've been interviewing or talking to more than 400 regulatory and quality assurance professionals, notified bodies, reps, uh, legal health authority representatives, um, and also C-level who takes decision based upon information from regulatory and quality. Um, so I'd love to share my experience and what I've heard in terms of mistakes and misinterpretations and also great cases. Uh, and I wish to talk to 200 more this year. So go ahead, just book me up. No problem. I will put yeah. all your details anywhere on the show notes. Yeah, you, you, could, you could call me, you could uh, hook up on LinkedIn, you can knock on my door. <laughs> anyway, it's fine. Great, great. I um, guess we could. I guess we could drop the links uh, yeah. at Easy Medical Device um, and and YouTube and so on. So exactly, yeah. I will put. I will put that. And uh, anyway, yeah, we will have uh, all the details on the show notes, and uh, I will put uh, all the information so that people can uh, can contact you. you. Can also visit within the website and check exactly what you are doing. And maybe, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, if I can say, embrace more the artificial intelligence technologies and see if there is any any future for for those people uh, using uh, using that tool. Yeah. Um, and okay. and certainly just just challenge me regarding AI because I'm not, you know, the one that knows the most. And uh, but I know a lot, and I have my ideas and visions. And that's the cool and interesting thing about the world we're living in now. It's it's dark and dangerous in many ways, 
But if we look beyond that, and we need to do that at some point of time to see the light is all the fantastic medical devices and technology and innovation happening and what they will mean to us, mankind in the future and what we can make out of it. Yeah. And those kind of discussions I'd love to have, especially around AI. So I more than welcome you all to to uh, to book me up for a meeting and, and have a chat about that. Great. Let's do that then. Yeah. Okay. So um, thank you um, for this discussion and all the information that you're, you're providing, Marcus. And um, uh, well, I hope that this you. helps people to understand more about post-marketing surveillance, proactive, reactive, uh, all the AI technology, how this can help also. Uh, and mm-hmm. then, yeah, we can maybe um, uh, see, uh, yeah, if you are if you are right, maybe we will point out again to this episode in the future to say, hey, Marcus was right about AI <laughs> and uh, machine learning. So it will be great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if I'm not, we have to record again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Marcus, it was really a pleasure to have you. Really uh, happy to, to, to share all this information with, uh, with, uh, with our audience, and I hope that it will be helpful also for them. So thank you very much, and I wish you a nice day. Well, thank you. The pleasure is entirely on my side, and it's been an honor to, You're welcome. to, uh, to, to be here today. So You're welcome. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.